Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 149 with my friend Etienne Asher, a.k.a. Ash, a.k.a. Chad Niney. Chad was first on the podcast episode 20, so 129 episodes ago or 129 interviews ago. These episode numbers are confusing if you pay attention, but (laughs) technically we have over 200 episodes, but... That's neither here nor there. Uh, So Chad joins us again to kind of catch us up on what he's been doing. And I wanted to talk to him because he, in this last, uh, you know, four years, he started a company and he's been growing it over and over again and has products available online and in stores. And you can go and order them right now and he'll talk more about that later. But also because, as you may have noticed already, it is not the same name. Uh, Chad has changed his, he's rebranded himself and, and we're going to talk more about that. So without further ado, here's my friend, Ash. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Well, first we, we have to point out you were last on the show episode 20 that was that was still, the catch-up still 2019 well no no that and, and no this your was actual interview was 2019 and it was before everything was oh locked down. <laughs> no well i'm talking about the update you I'm did not. you did an update one I, well, you, you said the last time interview that. Okay, well, you interviewed me for this update that you did with Truly and some other people. Yeah, that... I was counting that. That barely exists. I assure you, no one listens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, that's fair. That's fair. You've done a lot of things. A lot of things have happened to you. You have happened to a lot of things in the last four years. That's an accurate statement. Almost exactly four years, if I'm gauging my weeks correctly um especially when this gets released in a few weeks yeah okay will arnett hey but i mean where where do you want to jump in i know you in our in the recap you referenced you were able to talk about how unhappy you were with the first interview <laughs> and oh yeah because because i had just gotten into michigan and my dad picked us up and we went out to dinner and when I'm my family's big drinkers and then when when I'm around them I become a big drinker too I mean let's face it I can even be a big drinker when I'm not around them or was but yeah we went out to dinner and then I had a couple drinks I was like when are we doing the podcast and you're like well tonight's like the only option something like that and I was like I guess we're doing it tonight so I went over to your place and uh and did it after a couple drinks yeah had no idea I was not (laughs) I was not super proud of that, but um, just how it turned out in general. But it is what it is. I thought it turned out great. Thanks. Um, I'm curious, the uh, because you just alluded to that, was a drinker. How long have you not been drinking? So I haven't been drinking for a while now. Um, It is. It was speaking of 2020. um, It was December 5th of 2020. Uh, With the exception, 
with the with the exception of my trip to Europe last summer or the summer before last. Um, it was I made it about a week into my two week trip, uh, and then something about Paris um, made me want to drink, and then of course I overdid it. You know, the way I describe it is like I had an on again, off again, toxic relationship with alcohol and I finally broke up with it for good. And Kava helped me do that. So, you know, it helps that I do that for a living. Yeah. Well, I, when does that, cause okay, well for everybody first, you want to explain Kava? Cause that was, that was part of your life pre Vegas. Yeah. Uh, and we yes. talked about that a little on your last episode, but Sure. Just, you know, yeah, I think obviously. I've explained kava before, but I mean, just, just to give a refresh, um, it's an herbal beverage. It's a root from the South Pacific that they've been drinking for 3000 years because it makes you feel good. Um, it's like, it's uh, a potent anxiolytic. So it relieves anxiety. It's anti-inflammatory, but it can give you a nice euphoric buzz, but it doesn't impair your judgment or cognition like alcohol either. So it's somewhere between alcohol and THC, but you're still clear headed. Um, it's not like getting stoned. It's not like getting drunk. Um, it's its own thing. But it's is that just, age yeah. restricted? It's regulated as an herbal supplement by the FDA, so there's no age restriction. Okay, I wasn't sure about that. So I usually leave it to parents whether they want their kids to try it or not. Yeah, I yeah. try not to. I try to self-impose an 18 and up policy, but I mean, you know, I'm not carding anybody. I typically don't get too many teenagers that are trying to 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 try kava, but. Um, but yeah, I've had parents that want to give it to their kids okay, like with ADHD and stuff. Well, I'm um, curious, um, just on the note of Kava. So I've known you a long time. Oh, super long. What are we at? I don't know. Uh, we met in 1994. Four. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're about to have 30 year anniversary. <laughs> I didn't get oh, you anything. Wow. Um, oh, well, there's still time. <laughs> there is. There's I, about I, a year. I have plenty of time to not get you anything. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> but so I, I've seen you kind of, um, you know, follow passions in different directions over the years. And we did that together occasionally. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, um, the, what? I don't just mention ADHD. Um, <laughs> Amen. Um, I, as I've explained on my first interview, yes, I have severe ADHD. So there's a, there's a correlation there. Yeah. Such is life. Um, samesies. But then yep. you got into Kava and admittedly, I mean, it uh, seemed like a thing you were into beforehand. Uh, oh yeah. Like in California. I've been, and, into, I've been into Kava for about seven years. Yeah. And it was um, something. I don't know. Well, I'll, I have a question, I promise. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it was something that you, uh, it seemed like so, Mr. another passion that you were headed towards. And now in the last, uh, I guess, couple years, I've seen you excel and chase something more than I've seen you do before and grow, so, like grow this business and um, really like create this full picture of an idea and i'm wondering if you can kind of talk about that when it like how it started um all the struggle that's been involved with with doing it and that sort of thing yeah okay so um i think the reason 
I haven't done anything full bore like this is because I think my whole adult life, I was like grasping for something to latch onto something that I could grab on and get traction with, but I never ended up getting traction with anything. I mean, um, can I ask why you say that in like a, you phrase it in that kind of like that desperation way, like you're grasping. It's like, well, it was, I was, I mean, I was looking for a purpose or looking for a career, you know, without a college degree. Cause also with ADHD, you know, I could never settle on like what I wanted to study, let alone being able to actually finish, you know, a degree. You know, I dropped out of school for the first time because I was like, Oh, I don't need this. I'm just going to go to LA and be a rock star or whatever, Amen. you know? <laughs> So I don't know. I think that I've never been, I'm not that musically gifted to have any, and to my ADHD is too severe such that uh, finishing songs was difficult. And I put a lot of effort into playing guitar and, you know, but still I never had any formal training. So I didn't know my scales until much, much later and different exercises and stuff. So it's just like I pursued music for a long time, but I just, there were a lot of things that just kept me from, from finding my footing with that. So I think what's different this time. Okay. When I discovered Kava, I knew that, well, before I discovered Kava, I knew that the Holy Grail, a Holy Grail, but like, you know, uh, I knew that if you found a viable alcohol alternative that doesn't, that doesn't come with the same deleterious health effects that there would be a lot of potential there. And so I was kind of looking for something in the back of my mind. Um, and then I discovered Kava and it was that I saw the potential immediately. And I was like, man, why don't more people, people know about this? And, and um, I think it, you know, I was like, it's the taste. It's gotta be the taste because it tastes like bitter dirt water. I know you recently tried my products and I'd love to hear about that. I'm looking forward to seeing the video. But you didn't try the plain stuff. We had that in Grand um, Rapids, though, right? That's that's what I. You had drink. you had a little taste, yeah. And then your mouth went a little numb, and you got scared. So yeah, tasted garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, I decided to use my cocktail experience, um, you know, my my real culinary advanced approach to cocktails that I had learned, uh, and applied it to kava, and. So I'm doing something that tastes a lot better and is more of a, you know, more on the order of what people are doing with like fancy craft cocktails. Yeah. Like and, you started, you made your own drinks and started your own company. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, so they started off as cocktails in, in quotation. Yeah. Marks. You were doing the bars um, at, at Santa Cruz. And, so I, yeah, like, we well, talked I, about I never that before. The, yeah. Um, but like basically just to provide context for anybody that, that doesn't remember, um, you know, I started, they started off as cocktails that, that I wanted to make at, at my own Kava bar. Um, but then I got the idea. So during the pandemic, I was working from home and I started my own company because I knew I had these recipes sitting in my back pocket that I knew I should be doing something with. And so I got the idea to bottle them and I figured out how to make it shelf stable and I had to tweak it to, to be shelf stable and to be a, a ready to drink. Beverage. But like, tell me about that. Cause that's, that's such a strange and specific task, right? Like you're, you know, there's plenty of people that have been at home and come up with something, whether it be a food product or drink or something. And they, it's like, that's their thing. They make at parties or whatever that is. 
but then to be like, all right, if I'm going to sell this, I need to like figure out shelf stable, a word that's not typically in your everyday vocabulary. And like, what does that look like? And how do I sell this and regulations and FDA and all that shit? Like, what does that process look like to begin? And what prevents you from just being overwhelmed and being like, never mind? <laughs> not having a backup plan. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> pushed to the edge. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that answers the earlier question too. And it's like, why am I finally, why do I finally have something that I have fully committed myself to for such a sustained period of time is because I started this and I was like, there's no, I've tried so many things. I don't want to work for anybody else anymore. Um, I'm not, I tried going back to school. I don't think that's the right way to do it um, for me personally. And so I was just, this is like my last, just last ditch effort to try to, you know, have a career of my own design. And, and so, you know, I just really wanted to make it work and it, it, it's, it's not as crazy as it sounds. You know, I've, I've had experience with doing I did a bottled cocktail program at the first bar that I worked at after I got trained by the mixologist. There was a whole course that, that we did or like a competition. It was a class that was a competition for for jobs. You know, you kind of competed against other people and people got eliminated. Felt very reality show. We just um, found out how to like make something and package it and stuff. Yeah, well, they were we were bottling these cocktails that I would make in big batches at this restaurant. And so I kind of dug back into that, um, that knowledge that I had, you know, stored in the recesses of my brain and, and just experimented with it. Um, and then, you know, you can learn anything on the internet. So it wasn't actually that difficult. I don't want to talk too much about it because I will say I've had, um, an issue where somebody tried to copy my product already. They gave me a BS story for why they wanted samples and, it had to do with like Coca-Cola wanting to do a cava beverage. And they said they wanted to meet it. They wanted to be the go between. And it was a whole thing. It was totally bullshit. And I found out from one of their ex-employees that they were trying to copy it. And um, I do it. Kava is getting really competitive. I mean, it has been, but like, so I don't want to talk too much about my process, but yeah. um, it's just trial and error, just, you know, and, 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 and I built on my previous knowledge and stuff like that. So um yeah, I mean, I just dedicated myself to it out of desperation, and I came out on the other side with with a viable product, and um, and so I think uh, what will further answer your question of why this is something I've stuck with for so long is because I've gotten myself into a position where I have to make it work, and I've committed to, like, I I actually have the ability to make money with it and I am making money with it, but it requires me to work constantly. I feel like I'm in a position where I, I feel like the shark that, you know, sharks have to keep swimming or else they'll die. So I feel like I have to keep moving or else my business will fold. So, but if I keep hustling, I can keep the money coming in. Um, because what I've found is that people are looking for a, an alcohol alternative that does 
you know, that does give you a buzz because kava gives you a nice mood lifting, relaxing buzz. I don't think I can legally say that because it is regulated as a, as an herbal supplement, not a recreational beverage. But I mean, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, kava does give you a buzz, but it's not like alcohol. It's it, but it does what I want alcohol to do. So I can honestly say my cravings are gone. Um, and so, you know, I, I knew that Kava was really special right out of the gate. And so I wanted to make it my career. So I guess I just see the potential and I see the people, I meet tons of people cause I do farmer's markets and, and events and stuff like that, where I'm able to introduce Kava to people one-on-one -on -one. and I do see the, the desire out there for something that can give them a buzz and takes takes the edge off and reduces stress and and helps you sleep. Even kava is a good sleep aid um, if you drink it before bed. Um, but without the hangover, without you know, people are looking for something like this. What's, and so, what's been the hardest thing that you've like had to sacrifice? Being working seven days a week, being the shark that doesn't stop swimming. Over the yeah, last um, years. my health. Um, <laughs> it's a hard thing to give I, up. Yeah, I truly believe. I mean, I'm healthy right now. Let's let me just be clear. Like, I take decent care of myself. I try to eat well. Although my comfort food recently has been Ben and Jerry's. Um, mm. But uh, but I'm just in the thick of the busy season right now, because the weather is. You know, you get very small windows where the weather is like really nice in Vegas. When is it not right the now. busy season? <laughs> Because I've well, been talking to you for a couple of years, but it seems like you're always in the busy season. Well, like when I say busy season, I mean, I make the vast majority of my revenue from in-person events. Got it. And so this, the busy season is that when it's like the, the busy, like it's when the events are busy and there's a lot of stuff happening outside. I think that um, Spring and fall in Vegas are like summer everywhere else. It's when people go outside and, and do a lot of outdoor activities and stuff. Yeah, I'm just trying to capitalize on all this stuff going on. Um, but yeah, you're right. When when it's not happening, then I'm strategizing. And I'm, you know, like during over the summer, I took a break to rebrand the business and put a lot of time and money into that. And so I'm just trying to recoup the, <laughs> the money that I put into it. Um. Which what is, was the stuff? What was the the impetus? Okay, so the name of the company was called Terra Incognita, and if people can even remember it, they they can't pronounce it, or <laughs> the other way around, if they can even pronounce it, they can't remember it. And uh, Terra Incognita means unknown land in Latin, and it's literally the part of ancient maps that's uncharted territory. Because Kava's uncharted territory for a lot of people. And I don't know. I just, I thought I, I liked the way it sounded. And I was like, that was going to be the name of my Kava bar. Yeah. Um, but then I decided to just apply it to my product. And I had a guy tell me early on who did, who designed my business cards. He was like, you got to change your name. He's like, I feel like I can be honest with you. He's like, you got to change your name. And I'm like, I gave him this long, like not long, but like this, this whole explanation of like how, you know, it's probably not the best thing for branding purposes, but you know, when I, when I heard it, I was, it was like the scene in Boogie Nights where he sees Dirk Diggler, like in lights up in the on lights. Yeah. You, you were attached fire. to it. You, you were, it was, well, it was like, when I first heard it, I was just like, oh, this is it. I just fell in love with it immediately. And so I was like, I don't, you know, I was like, maybe it's not the best, but I'll, I'll stick with it. I'm going to commit to, I've already committed to it. So I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. 
And, you know, I think that was, I don't think there was another option at the time because I didn't have any other names and I didn't really have the time to like put any effort into finding a new name. Um, but as time went on, I saw the necessity for it. Um, and so, you know, in as I said, Kava is indigenous to the South Pacific. So I wanted the name to be an indigenous word. They have a long history of European colonization in the islands. And Latin is the language of the oppressor, right? So I was like, I need the new name. I really want the new name to be an indigenous word because everything I do is trying to be respectful of the culture. I'm not trying to culturally appropriate anything because Kava is really important to their culture. Um, that's, I mean, you know, I had I, my boss when I ran the Kava bar wanted to start growing his own Kava in Costa Rica because it has similar climates and you could you could do that. Um, and so I think he even went and studied Kava cultivation in Hawaii. Um, but I'm never going to do that because I don't want to be the white guy that takes away Kava from them. You know, does that play a role um, regularly for you? Like at markets and stuff being being the white guy selling Kava? Like, is that a thing that's come up that you're pretty it, it comes up because about. i bring it up okay because I, I i tend to make jokes out of everything when i'm doing my my spiel because i would rather people think that i'm a clown and have a memorable experience than you know just have another you know another farmer's market experience you know and but kava is different so i try I, I always throw in jokes and i you know i try to make people laugh and try to make it a whole experience so like basically what i think is you know i'm like um I tell people, you know, as proud as I am of the way I've made it taste, because it traditionally tastes like bitter dirt water. It's about the way it makes you feel, right? And that's the important part. And then I show, I pull up the picture of me drinking kava in Fiji on my phone and I show it to him. And I'm like, this is me drinking a Fiji. Um, I know they can't see me. I know I, or I, you know, I know I blend in, so, so it might be hard to see me. Um, and then, and then, you know, a lot of people like chuckle at that. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm the white guy because yeah. I am the singular white guy in the picture. Yeah. And, uh, and then they really laugh at that, you know? So like, um, and then I say, you know, like, okay, so in Fiji, had I gone to Fiji when I talked to you? Uh, no, when I did the podcast, I hadn't like the, the full episode, but yeah. I think in the update I might have, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I could talk about that, but, um, but basically in Fiji before they drink kava, um, not every time, but they, they will do like two claps, like a cup clap kind of thing. Like. And so I do that as well. Like when I, so basically at farmer's markets, I do a shot with everybody. So I drink a lot of kava because I do a little bit with everybody. So bula is the Fijian word for, well, it's like aloha. It means a lot of things. Um, but if they're cheers, it means life or health. So when I do this at farmer's markets, you know, I explain that part of it. And then I say, and they also do this. You don't have to do this part, but as the white dude, that's trying to make it popular. It's important for me to honor the culture that it comes from. And so then I did a collapse, you know? So, you know, it's important for me to promote the culture along with it because it is so important. I don't want to remove, there are a lot of companies that are doing kava extracts. You know, you find kava in a lot of sparkling beverages, you know, canned, canned ready to drink beverages or like powder mixes or, you know, even supplement formulas like, whatever tinctures capsules and you know there's nothing like drinking traditional kava um and that's what i've i wanted to do with my product is recreate the experience of drinking traditional kava in a ready-to-drink beverage um 
but anyway, the, a lot of people are selling kava without talking about the the cultural in in the context of the culture that it comes from. And yeah. I wanted to do both. Um, you know, I can't. You know, I'm trying to innovate with it. And so, okay, so I guess I'll finish the the thought that I started. So the new name. It took me a while to figure out a new name for the company. I would intermittently in my in my little bits of downtime translate things words into the two in google translate are samoan and hawaiian so i would you know just translate words like like love and and calm or happy or like different a lot of them are the same in in those languages but but nothing sound there's a lot of glottal stops which is you know like hawaii is hawaii Okay. You know, like, so I do gl- not know what a glottal stop is, but I like glottal that stop word. is is when was the way the, the apostrophe represents the glottal stop. So Hawaii, and so there's a lot of syllables, multisyllabic words with like apo- apostrophes in those languages, and so like nothing really rolled off the tongue. And so my goal was to have something that that was catchy and easy to pronounce and remember. So my slogan, one of my slogans, I'm experimenting right now, but. Um, my slogan for a while had has been um, the future of alcohol replacement, 3,000 years in the making. I decided to translate future into Samoan. And the word, it came up as lumini. And then upon a Google search, I found out there is a glottal stop in that one. It's luminati. Uh, there's an apostrophe before the I, but that sounds conspicuously like illuminati. So the truth comes out. I left it. I, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm a 10th degree Illuminati. Perfect. Um, so you decided yeah, no I, apostrophe. I decided, I decided <laughs> to leave out the apostrophe and just do an anglicized version of it. So it's Illuminati. So far it's working, you know, people yeah. like it and it's a lot easier to remember. And can we, so, can we shift? And it's an indigenous word. I'm going to shift yeah. the topic. Yes. I'm going to use your rebranding of Kava to segue to your rebranding of yourself. Oh yeah. I did that. <laughs> so um yeah please yeah okay all right so okay as oh that's uh th- that brings up an interesting um like how are you going to what what name are you going to put on the podcast episode i that's suppose i'm about to find out <laughs> um i think you can do both i think you can do a slashy uh okay so my my birth name my given name my legal name is chad 90 right and I've been Chad for 40 years and doing this business and doing all of the, the events that I do, I'm meeting a lot of new people. And I just, I hit a, I had been unhappy with the name Chad for a long time for obvious reasons. Can you, you know? elaborate on obvious reasons? Sure. Um, Chappelle show was, it was a big one. <laughs> what does Chappelle show do? So do you remember the sketch, the black real world? where uh, it was it was a, it was their parody of the, it was his parody of the real world yeah. but it was like all black people except the one white guy and, and of course his name was chad okay Got and it. i don't know where it started but chad just became the stereotypical white guy like douchebag name okay um and he was just this like you know he was like innocent like salt of the earth like naive white guy you know and and is then the there was of Charlie's... Karen. Is that how you felt about it? Well, that's not how I felt about it until more recently. Okay. 
Um, when, but Karen, Karen hasn't been a thing that as long, but, uh, but then Charlie's angels, you know, with, with Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore came out and Tom Green's character was named Chad. And there was that whole thing in there. Was it the Chad? And, you know, I'm still, I finally, you know, people finally stopped saying that, you know, at some, you know, within the past like decade or so, you know, kind of tapered off, but you know, there was a point where like you would hear that a lot as a Chad and uh, he was not the best character either. Um, and then there's the SNL Pete Davidson stuff. You know about that, right? Yeah. No, really. Chad, Chad stuff is not on my radar because my name's not Chad, oh, so I don't. But I thought really... you watched SNL. I, I um, do. But like... um, so Pete Davidson plays a character named Chad, where he's just this total doofus. And the the saving grace is that he's this total like, um, like doofus that's totally oblivious. Um, but there's like every anytime they have a beautiful female host, they always do it where they're just like totally enamored with him. They're like confessing their love to him and he's just like, Okay. Like oh, yeah, he's just did, you know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know his name. He, I didn't know his name was Chad. <laughs> oh yeah, because I mean it's how did you not know that? That's the whole that's the whole thing. It's just because they, they're like, Chad, I love you. I have I I felt this for a long time and I just have to t I have to finally let you know and I know this is wrong this is so wrong but Chad you know and so it's just like that's the thing he's just this like doofus named Chad and so and then there's the whole incel thing there's the whole like internet you know meme thing I don't know what you'd call it but like Chads are like well I guess this is different but like Chads are like the 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 douchebag guys that get the girls always okay. which has not been my case um i've had my douchebag moments but i have definitely not gotten the girls um but anyway there's just a lot of baggage with chad okay and and there was one point at a farmer's market where i was i i get silly and i especially when i used to, when i first started i was drinking a lot of kava and i would get what well, you can get we call it rooted getting a nice little buzz on uh or then there's shell faced which is kava wasted because you drink out of a coconut shell i know there's no video but <laughs> so like i've drank so much kava i couldn't see straight <laughs> truly um i never felt out of control though because again it doesn't it, you're still clear-headed i mean i couldn't control my eyes i suppose but uh <laughs> other than that um you know i still felt clear-headed it was delightful but i used to drink a lot of kava i didn't pace myself because i drank a lot i drank with everybody still do but now i really pace myself um and so i would get really silly that's kind of where a lot of jokes came from and stuff like that and so this one girl was like i told her that my name was chad at the end of it and she was like Oh, that makes sense. And I was like, wait, don't say that. So it was just kind of like, it's been building for a long time that I was unsatisfied with the name Chad. And I just didn't know what to change it to. And then, you know, I don't know if it was going to, to Paris. I never met anybody named Etienne in, in Paris or at either of my times in France, but I think it's been on my radar since we saw the beach back in the day. It was one of the characters named Etienne. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just a name that I've known and I'm kind of a Francophile and yeah, I don't know. I just was like, I guess it was kind of like with Lumini, it was just coming down to, I'm running out of time. I really want to do this because I was about to do a lot bigger events and I was about to meet a lot more people and I was getting tired of introducing myself as Chad to people. I didn't want to, like, that's why I didn't tell you for a long time. And I didn't tell a lot of my best friends or family for a long time because I'm like, I'm not 
I, I don't care about the people that know me as Chad. I'm not ashamed to be called Chad. You know, I think a lot of people now, like if they slip up and call me Chad, they like feel like, like they're, they're like, you know, really, um, uh, apologetic about it. I'm like, no, I don't give a shit. Like I was Chad for 40 years. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't care, but, and it's not like I, 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 I've, you know, I'm transitioning or anything and want to go by, you know, a new name because I'm switching. Yeah. People react like as if they said the wrong pronouns. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that I don't get offended or anything, but, um, but now when people do call me Chad, it just feel weird. And, and for a while there, if we both felt, we honestly, it still feels weird being called Ash. So my official non-official new name, non-legal name, um, is Etienne Asher. Um, and Asher, I, Etienne just happened and, you know, I started calling myself that. And then I was like, well, it doesn't work with 90. Etienne 90 doesn't work. And so I was like, it needs to start with a vowel. And then I just saw Asher written somewhere uh, while I was driving down the street, uh, as opposed to driving down something else. Um, but um, so I was like, oh, maybe I should have been Asher. That's a good name. And then I was like, oh, that's going to be my last name, Etienne Asher. And so now I just go by Ash because Etienne was difficult for a lot of people. And I went, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. So, um, so I just go by Ash. Now. How long is, has that been going on? That was last February. So, you know, better part of a year. Okay. And so it was weird. Honestly, it's really weird when you're an adult, you know, you spent 40 years as one name and then all of a sudden you, you're, people are calling you a different name and you have a lot of new people that don't know about your old name. And it's just like, it just feels weird. It feels weird. There's no two ways about it, but you know, I think it was the right decision because I finally had a really cute girl tell me that Ash was her favorite guy's name. And that never happened with Chad <laughs> before. That's not something I had ever heard before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's for the best. Um, I still haven't seen my, my, my family in person since then. Uh, they've all heard about it because they're very, they're very um, gossipy type, but so it's weird. I've rebranded myself. I grew a beard, <laughs> um, and, which I've never had a full beard before um, and rebranded my company. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a completely different place than where I was this time last year, which is completely different than this time the year before that. You well, know? Hope, yeah. I mean, hopefully that's the case for people all the time, constantly moving. Well, in it, in it constantly moving and improving, you know, just because it's completely different doesn't mean it's in the positive direction. But um, yeah, I think things are moving in a positive direction for me, for sure. For sure. People like my product and um, you know, it's, Finally, I, I've, I've, I'm in a place where I have to hustle. I have to keep moving to keep it going. And I don't really have a choice, you know, what's like, the, whereas before, what's the end goal? Like where, when, where do you get to take a vacation or relax uh, on your, um, or have off hours? <laughs> well, it's going to be, a, it, it's going to be, What's the right word? It's going to be. Are you it's thinking of the Elton stages. John song? It's going to be a long, long time to touch. I hope it's not a long, long time. <laughs> um, it's going to be a matter of me delegating, bringing people on. I just brought a girl on 
pretty much full time and I'm going to be delegating stuff to her um, because I'm not doing a particularly great job at keeping all these balls in the air um, and keeping track of everything. You know, I use reminders and to-do lists and stuff like that, but things always fall through the cracks and I'm, you know, I'm constantly putting out fires that uh, I set. I think as I, as the company grows, I can bring more people on and start to delegate more stuff and then free up some, some time. Um, my next vacation will hopefully be to the South Pacific again. I want to go back to Fiji, but I also want to go to Samoa, Tonga, Vanuatu, and really immerse myself in the culture and meet more farmers and uh, meet with a guy that literally wrote the book on kava and just really have a kind of a pilgrimage and, and business trip and all of that stuff. So that'll be nice. Now, back when you were in Santa Cruz, uh, you were talking, we were talking about how you like had some anxiety about managing people. You'd never had like, you never had to manage anybody before. And now, well, I did, I did at the Kava bar. I did. It didn't go so well, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's when you were talking about that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and yeah, now okay. like how has that changed? Do you still have a lot of anxiety about that? What does that look like? Like, how do you, how do how are you as a manager of people? I'm, I think my strong suit is that I'm very self-conscious and I've having done a lot of different jobs because of my ADHD, it's just like either I didn't want to stay in a job or I got fired from the job because, you know, for a lot of reasons, um, I've had a lot of bosses over the years and I've seen a lot of mostly bad ones, but I've seen the good ones. And so I know what not to do more than anything. And I know what I don't want to be as a boss. And I'm not always good at that. I, I am so stressed out because I feel like I'm constantly on the brink of like this business collapsing. Um, you know, I have my sales coming in, but like I have so much debt that I'm in from this, you know, we weren't profitable for a long time. I'm still not even sure that we are. I mean, with the debt and everything, no, we're not profitable. Um, it's gotta be overwhelming, but it's overwhelming because I'm funding myself, you know, Uber is like maybe the most famous case of co a company not being profitable for years. I mean, that's in Silicon Valley, that's typical, right? Uh, but they have investors, they have a runway. I'm funding it myself. Um, so yeah, it's really stressful. So like, the stress is crazy. And I think sometimes that I'm overreactive with my, my employees because they are prone to mistakes just like anybody else. Um, I'm prone to more mistakes than most people. Um, I have one person working for me that's very prone to mistakes like I am. He's really smart, but um, he's also, you know, he shares, I, I see a lot of myself in him. And I have the utmost sympathy, but I don't have the patience for it. And I also don't, like, I wouldn't hire myself, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of hypocritical, but it's like, I don't have, I have such a small crew at this point. I don't have any, everybody has to bring their A game all the time. And so I can get very frustrated, but I try not to yell. Um, I can, I can be short or, or terse, but I always, if I ever lose my cool, I always apologize 
and say that, you know, I don't mean to be like that. It's just, I'm under a lot of stress and I kind of, it's not making excuses, but I want to explain why that happened and say, you know, I'm trying my best. And so it's just keeping the communication open and, you know, saying that they can really be open with me. Um, I want them to feel like they can tell me anything. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm also very blunt with them too. You know, I'm like, like I'm not trying to, you know, I, I, so, you know, I know about the compliment sandwich, like you went to like couch criticism in between compliments. Um, so I always try to do that. Even knowing that, even knowing about that, it still is something that works on me. I mean, psychology, these psychological tactics, tactics and stuff, just because you know about it doesn't mean that you're not going to be susceptible to it. Right. So, um, so I, I try to, you know, give positive reinforcement. I've learned from uh, the Huberman lab podcast that um, you don't want to, you don't want to compliment somebody for their intelligence. You want to compliment somebody for their effort. Um, like kids, um, when you say, oh, you're so smart, like my mom told me, which I think has a lot to do with how I turned out. Um, kids are much more likely, significantly more likely to underperform because they think they're smart and they don't have to try that hard because they're, they're just innately intelligent. But if you, if you compliment them on their effort, you're like, oh, you worked so hard on that test. They'll put more effort into getting the answers right. But if you if a kid thinks they're smart, they put less effort into it. And then it becomes a negative feedback loop because they underperform the next time. And then they they have they have a big ego. So they're more likely to lie about it, yeah. you know, and say that um they did better than they did. And it's a whole thing. So uh, I acknowledge that I want, I, so I reward effort. I, I compliment my employees on their effort. Um, and yeah, I'm learning as I go. It's, it's, it's been tough. I mean, that's one of my least favorite parts of the job is having to be a boss and having interpersonal skills aren't my strong suit. So, um, you know, um, having boundaries too. Because, you know, I, I talk to my employees like they're my friends and I have a tendency to overshare. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm working on more boundaries where, you know, we are friends, but then work is work and there are some things that you can't say. Yeah, it seems know? like a weird gray area when you have like a small crew like that. Like it's not like yeah. you're, you know, you're not walking the office of a, you know, 80 to 300 employee building where you're like, Hey guys, fuck this girl. <laughs> and like that would be right. yeah, highly inappropriate, but it feels like it would be more like friend family based when you have such a small crew. Um, and I yeah. imagine that line can just be blurry as, as it yeah, is. Like I was, I had a manager at this restaurant that I worked at who would talk about her dating life with us. And it was really weird. I was like, why is she doing that? That's weird. But then, you know, I'll find myself just blurting out like, oh, I'm going, I'm going out with this girl, you know, and I'm like, why am I talking about this? I shouldn't, but I'm like, we're kind of friends, you know, like, I mean, I have a really weird and dark sense of humor and perverse at times. Uh, I'm sure you have no idea 
what what that's like um nope. so i'll i'll crack a joke that's probably inappropriate and uh and i you know i have to like you know stop myself and then we joke about like how they can report it to hr and then i'm like and then and then the joke is i'm hr HR (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm the (laughs) hr department you know um so i have a good rapport with my employees like we respect each other we get along well you know um yeah so it's a learning experience you know yeah for sure it's going a lot better than last time when I was the manager. Yeah. You know, because they don't have somebody that they can go above me, go over my head to complain about, you know? Yeah. They just got to um, complain about you to so you. They, <laughs> yeah. And I want that, you know? Like, I, I don't want anybody to keep anything from me. If I'm not doing something right, I want to know about it because that's the only way I can improve, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so what, uh, I, I mean, we're, we're over an hour and I want to, be cognizant of that but what is there you're the ship captain yeah is you're there the ship anything that you wanted Arr. to mention that we didn't bring up i mean we talked a lot about my product and the process um I, that's really what i wanted to do not as a promotional you know not as a plug but just like because i really believe that kava is a, a really powerful tool for people that are trying to give up drinking so one thing i want to cover regarding kava is this myth about liver damage. They've been drinking kava, as I said, for 3,000 years. So it's, we have centuries of um, anecdotal evidence and you know a huge sample size uh, of data to look at. And their lifespan is not significantly different than ours. Um, and you can look up this data pretty easily. But they've, you know, I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. They drink kava daily in Fiji. And you'd expect to see rampant liver disease if it did, you know, hurt the liver like people think it does. And you just don't see that. So, I mean, there's plenty of, you know, um, empirical evidence when it comes to the safety of kava. But basically all that liver damage stuff comes from the 90s, from two pharmaceutical companies, one in Germany, one in Switzerland, that were researching the pharmaceutical potential of kava. And um, we're turning it into concentrated kava tablets and using whole plant. Um, And from what I've heard, the aerial parts have alkaloids that make it toxic. Um, So you only want to consume the root. Um, Although I've seen some research recently that shows that even that's not, even the aerial parts aren't that toxic. But People were also taking acetaminophen and drinking alcohol. And I think they might have even also extracted kavalactones with alcohol. And you don't want to do that. Um, water, which is how we make our kava and how they traditionally make kava, is a water-based extraction. Those won't remove any of the... It only removes the, the, the kavalactones that you want. And it's, there's, yeah, using, using solvents like, like CO2 or or alcohol, there's, there's questionable, um, you know, the safety is questionable with that, but doing, doing it traditionally with water, which is what they've been drinking for centuries without any safety issues. Um, that's what we do. And so, um, there's been no instances of liver damage and kava that's, that's occurred without, yeah, I think that, 
all these concerns over Kava are just completely unfounded. And it really puts us at a disadvantage because it scares people away that could really benefit from taking Kava. And like, I follow the Kava subreddit pretty closely and there are people on there who are daily Kava drinkers and they, um, they post their, their liver values from like blood panels and stuff. And they're in totally normal ranges and their livers aren't compromised at all. So and where can people get your Kava, Chad? Etienne. Oh, well, well, thank you. Oh, Ash, please. (laughs) Ash. (laughs) So it's Lumini.com. Um, L U M A N A I. And you can, you got a bunch of different flavors too. Yeah, I do. I added the two more. So the, the, the classic flavors as I call them are now the premium ones. And those, um, those are premium because they're more made from scratch with fresh ingredients, uh, more complex flavor profiles, less sugar. And then the two new ones I added are still really, you know, I, I feel like they're tasty, but I can just make them for a lot less because it can get expensive when you're paying, you know, when you drink it regularly, you know, it'll add up. So I wanted to create less expensive options for people, but yeah. So now I have a good, I have five flavored ones and one plain one. Um, you can see what's up on Instagram. Um, all the happenings, uh, at Luminai Kava. Um, and you can DM me too. If you guys have any questions or anything like that, you're welcome to DM me. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions about Kava or life in general. I mean, hit me, hit, hit me him. with your best questions, hit him, hit me, literally hit me, hit him, go to the farmer's hit markets. Me. If you're going to Vegas for a wild weekend, stop at a farmer's market and say hello to, and, uh, to Ash and hit me and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. Just don't say anything. Just walk up and hit me. I'll know what it's from. I'll, I'll know, know what it's from. from. No, actually, I, I do want to promote something. So when you hit him, if you could shout friend request right afterwards, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. Thanks One for uh, thanks for that. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my friend Ash, Etienne Ash, a.k.a. Chad. Um, and if you want to check out his kava drinks, you can head over to Lumini.com, L-U-M-A-N-A-I.com. Um, we also did a review of them at the SoberCurator.com. And you can check that out as well. But yeah, go go support uh, go support a friend request guest, a, a request guest. Oh my god, did I stumble on a rhyme I've never used before? How's that possible? I guess I never say the title of the podcast except for the beginning of the podcast. Oh man, friend request guest, a guest, a friend request, a quest guest. Go support a quest guest. Ah, <sighs> uh, this this was a hard interview. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and not specifically, uh, for any specific reason, that's not a sentence, but the idea that some people go into interviews with is, you know, I have to talk about this, this, and this, and I got to make sure that I am keeping it interesting and I got to, and I tell people all the time when I, book with them, you know, like that's on me. Don't like, don't worry. People are always like, 
what should I prepare? It's like, bring yourself and then you'll be prepared. And uh, Chad and me have collaborated on a lot of things. And I, I think we both want to have control of that situation. And the result is uh, a back and forth that I mostly edited out of this episode. Um, and then, you know, critiquing afterwards, right? It's like, and I think anyone that records music can relate to this where you, you want to make the best quality thing. So maybe you record and then you listen, you're like, Oh, I want to do another take. Oh, I want to do another take. And most people, when I interview them, um, they're, they're not audio people. They don't record music. They don't, they're not used to different takes and that's not everybody. There's a few exceptions to that rule, but this was one of those where, you know, Chad reached out to me. Oh, I think I could have talked about this. Oh, I think we could have done this. And, um, you know, I, I grant, grant him the, the honor of <laughs> being able to add to if he wants to, cause you know, we've known each other for God, what do we figure out in the podcast going on almost 30 years, 29 years this year. That's crazy. Um, anyway, and I just, uh, I hope he finds success in this business. It seems to be going well. And I encourage all of you to go order some kava and try it out, especially if you're experimenting with something in the non-alcoholic realm, or maybe you're just into uh, relaxation, or maybe you have anxiety and you like some homeopathic methods. There you go. Go check it out. L-U-M-A-N-I. L-U-M-A-N-A-I.com. Um, and you can go chat with Ash. Do an Ash chat. It's it's like Snapchat, but it's Ash chat. It's like Ash chat, but it's Ash chat. Ash, ask Ash. Ask Ash chat. You can email Ash and ask him something, and you can do an Ask Ash. Anyway, um, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Next week is Thanksgiving, which is crazy. Um, this year is crazy. Time is crazy. I don't know. Um, that's all I got. I'm very distracted. I have a lot going on. Teddy, my cat, is next to me, and he just jumped in a box and is making some noises that hopefully you can't hear. Um, and that's about it. So I will talk to you guys next week. Until then... Okay, now what's he doing? All right, bye. <laughs>